Welcome to Authentic Living with Roxanne, a place where we have conscious conversations about things that really matter in our lives. And now, here's your host, Roxanne Derhage. interview last week was so good that we decided to turn it into a two-part series. If you missed last week, you'll find the link in the show notes. It's not mandatory that you listen, but we want to make sure that you don't miss out on this amazing conversation. Hi, everyone. It's Roxanne Durhodge. Thanks for tuning in again to Authentic Living with Roxanne. Today, I have a colleague, Kamalis Lardy. Kamalis and I, uh, I think, met almost a year ago at the Forbes uh, Women's Executive Council, of which she was the chair, and um, I have since uh, taken on that role. So Kamalis brings a breadth and depth of um, uh, knowledge in as a strategic and bold thinker in digital and business transformation. She's been in, uh, in this role for about, I believe, about 23 years. Um, and she's a teaching fellow at Durham, and she's a keynote speaker, and she's recently um, released her new book. And Kamalis, thanks so much for being here with us today. Thank you for having me, Roxanne. It's, it's been a pleasure getting to know you as well. So let's talk a little bit about those six traits that so you really, like you said, you go, I, I, there's two things that you said, Kamalis, which I love, you, you know, inside out, which is like, we have to we have to look and see, really, and you have to be really truthful, I think, going through this process about, um, you know, I mean, love the fact that I created this product, but when when you kind of go through this analysis, you're realizing it's taking this much hours and the re revenue stream is really, you know, you're always pumping air into it and it's not so good. So you have to really be willing and, and to be transparent with what is. Another thing you talked a little bit about is the leadership and what leaders need to do to connect to the customer. And I, I want to talk more about this. I think that's very, very vital. Um, like you said, with, with things like social media, you know, I if I have a bad experience today and I put something on and I've got a big enough following, I can quite quickly disrupt uh, something within a company, right? So we have a lot of power as the consumer. So let's, in the book, you talked about those six traits because you said, you know, it's the, it's the vision, right? Like everybody has to buy into the vision, but the it starts with the CEO or the senior team. So tell me how you kind of work with them. Let, you know, you might have a CEO that, that thinks, uh, Lardians Associates, we, we definitely want to work with you, but you know, with teams that have been working together for a long time, there's history, there's disconnections, there's people that have um, some implicit power that we may or may not know about, or there's alliances, all that stuff. So with, with, C, with CEOs that you've worked well with, meaning that let's say they're a good CEO or somebody with that can transform, but they're working with a difficult kind of senior team. What is your approach with, with uh, an environment like that? So I, I, first of all, I think to preface that um, leadership teams, you know, many companies, let me start with this. Many companies do approach digital transformation with a technology team or a transformation team. Um, and one of the biggest challenges with that is you can take the transformation to a certain level, to a project or initiative implementation level. But in order to really benefit from digital transformation, you need to transform organization wide. 
And something that I personally experienced and had to learn was I had to first transform as a leader in order to initiate transformation in organizations. And this was something that uh, was, you know, with any transformation, with any journey that we go on. And I think you have this detailed out in your book as well, which I found really refreshing because we had a really nice alignment to the work that, you know, that I do on the ground with the customers as well. Um, really transforming it means looking at yourself, your leadership style, your approach in an organization, um, the way you are, you know, how self-aware you are, but also how you connect with um, your team, how you motivate teams. And this is something I had to learn by doing, right? Going through that transformation process myself. Uh, and so today I do a lot of digital mindset coaching for leadership teams and board members. Mm -hmm. And this means, you know, oftentimes, I'll be very honest, they are older men <laughs> who lead organizations. And it is very interesting because we do tend to have very different perspectives. We come from a completely different mindset. Um, and one of the experiences I had during COVID was um, I was doing a coaching with a person from, you know, who had 35, 40 years experience in leadership. Um, and he had never led an organization where people were not physically present. Hmm. And so he broke down in tears because this was extremely challenging, right? For someone who had a secretary who did most of his digital interactions. And now he would have to face this on his own and kind of lead people and lead teams. It meant letting go of control. It meant trusting people uh, beyond your physical space. So these kinds of transformations, um, and you know, what I did with him was we entered into the, the virtual reality space, Metaverse, and we did our coaching sessions in there. And he completely forgot that we were not physically together in the same room. Um, and so this was, I think, an eye-opening moment because he realized, okay, technology has the ability to extend our capabilities. If we use it in, in the right way, we know how to use it. We can go beyond Zoom. We can go into a space where we feel like we're connected with right. one another. It's right. almost, you know, uh, almost reality, I would say. So one of the things I do with leadership teams uh, in the formal project environment is really to look at stakeholder analysis. And I can tell you from experience, there's always one person in the room who doesn't buy. <laughs> who doesn't buy in. Just, just one. Always. I found that sometimes it's a couple. <laughs> <laughs> at least, at least one. And it's usually either the head of, of technology or, you know, the, the head of HR or something like this. Somehow the trends are, you know, undeniable. Um, but a stakeholder analysis helps to understand, you know, who the people are in the room, what kind of influence they have, who do I need to connect with to get buy-in and to empower, to transform. Um, and I do work very closely with leadership teams because even if you come in from the, the roots, right, from the ground up to transform a company, leadership teams drive the real transformation. It is the top-down that can implement organization-wide change. You need that top-down mandate. And a, a big part of that means taking people on this journey. Leadership teams need to transform. And what I found in my experience, and maybe you can share your experience in this as well, um, you can't transform unless you're ready to. Right. And this is where I choose my battles. There are some leadership teams that are you know, ready to go on that journey with us, to transform the organization. And there are other team members who might say, we just want to implement a project. Mm -hmm. And then it's they're not ready and it's not the time. And so this, this is really a journey. It's an evolution. We go on this journey with the company as far as their readiness is, and we take them to the next step as far as they want to go. But you can't force this transformation either. Um, within the book, I do detail a couple of things that I've observed 
leadership teams, business leaders need to have in the digital future. So I've detailed those out as six traits for leadership for future organizations. And this involves one of the key things is really abundance thinking or abundance mindset. And that is being able to think beyond your current boundaries, current industry boundaries, current business boundaries, current physical boundaries. We have now with new technologies, the ability to enter new markets, to, you know, even startups can have on day one of business access to a global marketplace. So our traditional industry boundaries, you know, our, our physical boundaries as well. You don't need a branch to enter a market. You don't need a physical office. Companies can exist virtually and still be a million dollar business. And so these traditional boundaries are no longer valid. And business leaders need to be able to think beyond those boundaries and understand that technology creates those seamless uh, existence as well. The other element is really around empowering people, being able to um, trust that your teams can do what they are meant to do and empowering them to do it. And a good amount of this is, um, you know, understanding that failure is a learning, a learning process, uh, that you have to develop with failure. Without failure, you don't learn. And this is a key element that many corporates don't tend to embrace. I would say um, the next element is around consciousness and empathy, which is really, really important to be aware of your, your surroundings, to be aware of why people do what they do and why people behave in the way they behave. And what I've learned is resistance to change usually comes from an element of fear, fear of uh, losing control, fear of not knowing something or not understanding something, fear of becoming irrelevant in the tech environment. And so understanding this and having empathy towards it and having an understanding for how we can take people on that journey, you know, you can learn new skills. It's not difficult to learn. You have to shift the way you look at your role. All of these kinds of, of things need empathy and a certain amount of vulnerability to connect with people. Um, looking at uh, flexibility and adaptability, we've seen a lot of that during the COVID environment, which is the next element. Um, so within COVID, many businesses were able to pivot and transform and very quickly shift and adapt to the new environments, which is the non-physical space. Um, and also closeness customers, which is something you mentioned. What I found very surprising uh, is most C-level executives don't have direct interactions with their customer base. Mm -hmm. And they you know, rely on HR or marketing teams or even sales teams to get an understanding for the people on the ground. Um, and this is, this is, I think, this should change. Uh, we see many organizations now taking their C-levels to branches to connect with customers, you know, on-site really to understand how people use their products and services, what their needs are, what is the problem space. And I think this connection makes these leadership teams more human as well uh, and more accessible. So these are some uh, great examples I'd like to see more corporates uh, incorporate. And the last one is, for, of course, courage and conviction. Transformation, digital transformation can be a really tough process and you need people who are bold enough to initiate and to stick with it and to drive that change. So those are the elements that I detail out in the book. Well, I, th I think to your point, right, you can only take a team as far as they're willing to go. And I, I say sometimes it's pockets of work that you do. <laughs> you do it, you can only take them along for that far. And then if there's you recognize the next steps that they need to make and you're getting massive pushback, um, then that means they're really not, they're not ready to take the next step of the journey. And you have to say that to them, you know, I think we've done, you know, really good work together. This is where I think we need to go. Uh, this is my sense of what I'm getting from your environment. 
you know, you need to reflect on this and give me direction because of course, you, you know, it's like you'd be doing that tug of war um, to what end, and then you're not going to be able to create the change. And then that's the legacy of you being in the environment and you want to leave on that note that you've done mm-hmm. the part that you agreed to. So I think, you know, what you talked a lot about is, um, and I would say definitely courage, like you're saying when there's transformation, but trust, you know, if I talk a lot about psychological safety, like so that people can make mistakes, um, you know, like like you said, in corporate, it's it's like you're not allowed to make mistakes. And, and how do your leadership, you know, the different various levels of your leadership teams, how do they address when there are uh, mistakes? And, and, you know, how how do teams respond when there is a mistake? That gives you a real good context of what's happening so that, um, you know, that's, and that's oftentimes when people can learn from that, you, you know, there could be such massive things that could going forward from those mistakes. But again, if people can't openly talk about, you know, I, I actually did this wrong <laughs> and this is what I figured out, you know, the people listening to them can gain, but the leadership teams or the leaders have to be able to have mm-hmm. the capacity to hold that space and not shut people down. And then if people are in fear, to your point, they're, they're not going to be able to evolve into the optimal use of, of their skills, right? Absolutely. I, I think there are several things that I've, I've done in the past that has helped that, right? So what you're talking about in many organizations come down to the, the culture. And some organizations do have a very directive, strict culture of you know zero tolerance for failure, um, particularly if you go into, for example, financial services or pharmaceuticals, where you have a very regulated environment, there tends to be very strong kind of control functions and uh, you know, compliance body that, that is very strict about how things are done. Um, and I think one of the, the key elements here is, and I do go into that at the beginning of the book, which is kind of why, you know, the book isn't necessarily just a tech book. It does have a lot of elements around how technology should be implemented, but it does go into the element of looking at um, how do you drive, how do you create purpose within an organization and how do you connect people to that purpose mm-hmm. and how do you identify values that connect people together and drive transformation uh, one of the things that I've done in the past uh, was, you know, working with uh, a CEO and for him, you know, the, he walked into a culture, he'd been there for a couple of years, but he had walked into a culture in an organization as a, a newcomer uh, in a very directive environment where people waited, you know, there was a fear of hierarchy, people waited to be asked a question before they spoke in meetings. So one of the things that we did was to create an artificial environment to demonstrate that there is a new culture. Uh, Mm -hmm. setting up a town hall session for all employees, partially digital and partially physical, um, and have him there in the physical space basically answering questions and positioning people, pre-setting certain people in the room who are going to ask the toughest questions, the taboo questions. And we had two or three people in the room who had been, you know, we pre-agreed, here are the questions, ask these questions. And he responded very positively and then provided his honest and authentic response to those questions. And this started to create an environment where people recognized, okay, we're shifting now, we can ask, there's no consequence to being outspoken. We can speak up and we can ask the tough questions that are concerning us. And so this triggered then a shift and a kind of a refreshing change in the organization where people realized, okay, this person is far more accessible than his predecessor. And there's not going to be a negative consequence if I approach him and I speak to him and if I wanted to have a dialogue. And so this, these are kind of some of the artificial ways that we create those transformations as well. 
Amazing. Yeah. Because people need to see, and it really, especially if the CEO has been had to play this, um, you know, bureaucratic top down kind of role for, you know, and then all of a sudden it's like, there's a new sheriff in town, but nobody knows that there's there been a change of rules mm-hmm. of engagement. They're like, oh, I'm not going to believe it until I see it. So I like that, that people can actually see it and say, wow, it's interesting to be able to be in that space. That's a, that's a nice, I would say a bit simulated, but if the, if the CEO is able to deliver, then people are kind of able to at least drop their guard a bit and start to recognize, okay, we can start risking a bit so that eventually, you know, of course it would still take time um, Mm. and safety over time and consistency and those types of things. If there's CEOs listening and maybe they've, they've attempted this in the past and um, you know, and maybe they're like, well, I tried this before and um, it didn't go so well or, uh, because I, you know, maybe they're more of in a, a bureaucratic structure still, but they're recognizing that they have to shift off into transformational. What kind of things would you tell them to start to consider, or some things that they should? You do a lot of digital mindset reflection with with these individuals. What are some of the things that these CEOs should start to um, reflecting on about potentially starting to make a shift again? I think one of the key things I would advise them to look at is uh, their own leadership team, right? Their direct reports, people that are working with them, the closest kind of network of people within their their, um, organization. And I would advise them to look at or try to identify people that they can use as advocates, Um, right? So within your own leadership team, looking at who is um, able to go with you on this journey and support you. Um, a lot of times you do find CEOs working very closely with COOs um, and, and you know, them having a very strong camaraderie in terms of how do we partner up and drive the change. Um, and also being able to identify maybe not within leadership, but maybe levels below them. Who are the people who have influence? And influence doesn't come with position or authority. Influence does tend to come sometimes with um, you know, personalities, the gravitas of the person, or even length of time they've been in an organization, size of network, being able to identify who are the people that they need to connect with to create kind of almost a task force of people that are going to help them drive this transformation. You need to have those. When we look at transformation in an organization, we don't look at changing 100% of the people. We don't look at changing even 60%. We look at finding those 20% that will transform, that are already bought into it, that are open to it, convincing them. And they are the ones, you know, these are the people with the network, with the influence. They are the ones that are going to advocate for the change. And if you find those personalities in the company and take them on board, empower them and create an environment where they can drive the change for you as well. It's not a one-man job. It is a team effort. And they're going to then start influencing people. They're going to start creating more advocates and creating grassroots change across the organization. Within the leadership team, there's always going to be people who are against it. And I think one thing I would advise leadership teams is also understanding motivations, Um, understanding motivations of people. If someone's resisting change, what is the resistance about? Is it something that they're afraid of? Or is there something more sinister behind it? And sometimes we do actually discover there's a reason someone doesn't want to open up their area of business or their business unit simply because there are things that are not going right that they don't want exposed. 
Um, so the transformation process is challenging. And this is why I said earlier, you have to be bold and you have to stick with it. And oftentimes understanding motivations behind resistance then can uncover how you approach that issue as well. And it's not just the motivations of people. I think it's also about understanding your own motivation as a leader. Why do you think this is important to do? Because if you're not convinced 100%, you can't convince anyone else. So you have to understand your motivations very, very strongly as well and communicate that. And then that's when the passion comes through. On an operational level, there are a couple of things that I would say uh, is put your money where you can find the best value in return. Um, it's not just about the new shiny thing in the market. You know, a lot of people are talking about chat GPT and AI. Last year, it was metaverse. The year before that, it was blockchain. <laughs> so we do find these trends coming out, uh, a lot of them on LinkedIn as well. Um, forget the trends. Find the real things that can bring business value for your company and your customer base and invest in those things. Um, and, you know, uh, I, I'm probably one of the only consultants out there who would say, if I can't bring value to you, I will tell you I can't bring value. I, I don't mind losing a contract, but I don't think you should implement something that your company doesn't need. And I think this is a, an important element of, you know, making sure you, you put the money where you, your limited resources, where you are bringing the most value. Um, and the last piece I would advise is as well, look at, looking at dual transformation. Um, there are companies that focus on transforming internally their core processes, their core business. And there are companies that focus on innovation, the new thing, the next business idea. Um, I believe it should be a dual transformation where you change your current business at the same time you're changing for the new as well. And this is not so easy to do because you, you, you kind of lose focus and you don't know what, to, what takes priority. There are times when it gets really challenging with resources and so on. So this dual transformation is something that I do address in the book uh, in the best practices as well. Amazing. So, and I, you know, one thing I, I want to say is um, legacy, right? Because when I talk to leaders, I talk about, you know, what is your legacy? Like, you know, you and I started off talking about what, what guided us, but I think a lot of times with awareness, with the, for that leader to be able to, to invest his or her time to really get connected and get clear headed about what, you know, what, why did they start their journey? And I often, you know, say when they are no longer there in whatever capacity, whether they sell their business or they move on to somewhere else, what legacy or imprint do they want to leave behind as well to become very, very clear about the steps in between, because it could be very dizzying in between. And if that leader loses contact with that internal space within themselves about why they're leading or what made them want um, to be a leader, and are they in alignment with their values so that in turn it becomes easier mm -hmm to get a, a really good vision about where you're going with your company as well um, or the company that they're leading. And I think those become things. And of course, leaders are very, you know, with my arena, the mental stress on them, the burnout, um, you know, the demands that they have on them are very, they're very high level. But I often say to them, you know, you have to take that time to take care of yourself so that you can and in turn mm -hmm. Uh, take care of others and connect to others and then be able to kind of steer the ship in the, you know, because without the leader being completely healthy and aware, it's it's difficult to maintain this level of capacity on, you know, like you said, a two, three or five year kind of process. So Kamalas, this has been amazing. For your book, um, again, um, tell us the, the name and where people can get it. We will have a link in the um, show notes for the book and for anything else that where people can get a hold of you. 
So um, the book is called The Human Side of Digital Business Transformation, published by Wiley. And you can get it. Uh, it's actually available globally today. So that's very exciting uh, across the, the world in the US, in Asia, and so on. Um, the easiest way to access it would be either on Amazon or on my website, kamaleshlardi.com. And I'm very active on Twitter and LinkedIn, so people can find me there as well. And I'm happy to continue the conversation if they're looking to do that as well. Um, and um, I think that's it. Is there anything I missed? No, no, I think you didn't. And uh, Kamalis is spelled K-A-M-A-L-E-S-L-A-R-D-I. So um, she's she's active LinkedIn, like as she said, or also Twitter. So what am I taking away? I, I'm taking away that at the end of the day, it's really about um, that internal purpose of individuals that are leading um you know it's not about the next shiny object like like you said the metaverse or chat gpt it's really about getting quiet and looking internally and then also thinking about what's the touch point that i'm not aware of about what my customer might be experiencing with my product and i love that uh, concept of the ecosystem and that your c leaders c-suite leaders need to have that kind of visit or touch point to really, really understand how their product lines or their techno, um, technological elements that you're trying to implement is affecting the average person. Um, we have, there's a bit of a disconnection there. So um, what I would suggest is if anybody's needing um, to have a chat, uh, reach out, get the book, and then you would, uh, I'm sure you're going to gain a lot of things there. You can reach out to Kamalis after that. For anyone wanting to know about authentic leadership, um, what I would suggest um, is just going to my website, roxanderhodge.com for slash quiz. There's a really, really quick quiz uh, that you can look at. How authentic are you um, in the areas of leadership? And, you know, I'm sure you do a lot of things well. There's a couple of blind spots that we all have. And then we would send you a really quick report with some recommendations. Again, Kamalis, thanks so much. And for everyone, thanks for hanging out with us and look forward to chatting with you again uh, next week. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to Authentic Living with Roxanne, creating the space for positive, healthy change. Roxanne is a keynote speaker, psychotherapist, and coach. To work with Roxanne, visit roxanderhajcom slash blueprint. We'll see you next time on Authentic Living with Roxanne.